Okay, hey, I just want to echo my welcome with Justin today. It's great to have you all here. It's, it is a special day in our church calendar, Thanksgiving Day. It's got nothing to do with Thanksgiving that is celebrated in some parts of the world. This has been a celebration that has emerged probably over the last decade in our church where we've, we wanted to find a practical way to engage our community in uh, helping us uh, build the stock levels and Again, essentially stock the pantry for our care ministries for the next 12 months. And uh, it has really evolved into a great celebration. So as you walk in today, you will uh, see that after church, uh, the fun will continue. And there's plenty of stuff to do. Um, jumping castles and there's laser tag in the area behind here. And there's yatla pies coming for those that want them for lunch. And we're just going to have a celebration because it's good to actually celebrate and be thankful for all that God's doing in us, but also recognizing that when we're in a place that we can be generous to those in need, it's good for us to be generous to those in need. Hey kids, I know that usually by now you're heading out to uh, children's uh, kidlings and kid zone. Today we're staying in as a whole family. I promise I'm not going to preach as long as I normally do. And uh, you can just start like looking at me. And I had a friend sitting in church one day when I was growing up and we had to sit in church and he got the church bulletin and he wrote in big pen, time's up, and he held it up for the pastor to see. So if we get to that point, your parents will probably be really upset at you, but I'll get the message and we'll go from there. But hey, if you are visiting with us, if you're here with friends, family, we're really glad that you've joined us this morning. Um, our Mackenzie campus, all their services have combined today, so they've got a lot more logistics than us because they're probably trying to move 3,000 people across their property, so it's nice that we get to enjoy it where uh, we can be together and look at what God's doing in our community. Hey, I, uh, we've had this clothesline theme. Tim Hood, many of you who is our Gateway Care pastor, came and spoke here a couple of months ago, and he used the clothesline to talk about some of the issues that we have in our community, in our own backyard, and it's got me thinking about backyards. Now, the reason I've had to think about my backyard recently is about a week ago, for some crazy reason, Queensland turned into summer. It just went from August winter to summer. I jumped in my pool a couple of weeks ago because it was 31 degrees, uh, like just last week on Wednesday or something. It was crazy that we've hit summer. And for us at our place, summer means living in the backyard. If we have people over, we eat in the backyard. Our kids play in the backyard. They'll swim, they'll kick the footy, they'll play cricket. The backyard comes into uh, very much the life of our family in summer. Through winter, it really kind of closes down. By the time I get home from work or the kids get home from school, the sun's starting to set and the dew's starting to go across the lawn and we don't spend as much time in our backyard. But two weeks ago, we were hosting uh, some people for dinner, our, our wonderful students from overseas, our PACE students and our young adults group here were all coming to my house for dinner, and it felt appropriate, because it was 30 degrees that day, to eat outside, to like have a summer barbecue in the middle of August in our backyard. The problem is my backyard had suffered significant neglect over the last three or four months. Whose backyard right now just needs a little bit of TLC, because you haven't been out there? Yeah, my backyard needed some TLC. I hadn't mown, I love winter. You know when you do that last mow around Easter time and you think, I'm not going to have to mow for like four months. It's going to be some winter grass, but I'm not going to have to mow for four months. And so I hadn't mowed, I hadn't pulled any weeds out of gardens, I hadn't sprayed our patio off. The barbecue had a little layer of dust over the top of it from all the cane fires that happen in Ormo that blow across our entire suburb. Just everything looked 
a little bit shabby. But I had people coming, so I got on my old clothes and I raced outside and I did all the things that you do when you've got people coming. You know, you get the washing off the line, you out to the shed and these are all mine. I can't believe, this is one of my favourite shirts last week, but I washed it with a red towel. Look at that. <laughs> Terrible. You know, I don't want people looking at my underpants while they're having dinner at my house. I got these for Father's Day last year. World's best dad, they say. Some of you are going to get those last. So we uh, get the washing off the line. I get the lawnmower out. I find all the leaves in my garden. I make sure my neighbours aren't home and I just blow them. All into my neighbour's house. And then I sweep the yard. I polish off the barbecue, make sure there's gas, and suddenly my backyard is ready to host some people. Who, who knows this mad rush in summer when there's people coming? I did this last Wednesday. The lawn got mowed, sprayed the patio off, the dog got locked around the side, the barbecue gas bottle got filled, I cleaned off all the dust, I turned on our fan because it's a bit dusty, so at least if it's spinning you can't see that it's dirty. And it was good, I was ready to share life with others in my backyard. The reality is in winter for us, there's so much happening elsewhere in our life out there, football training and football practice and work and school events, that my own backyard usually gets neglected. And it's not until it comes back into focus that I think about some of the opportunities, some of the needs, but some of the things that I need to take ownership for in tending to my own backyard. See, no one else does it for me. Thought about getting a goat to live in our backyard to do the lawn, but... Nobody else looks after my backyard for me. It depends on me looking after my own backyard. See, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he had some big picture things that he was dealing with. He talked a lot in his language about the kingdom of God. And it was stuff that was, that, they were principles and they were visions that were for all people at all time, no matter where you were, where you lived and when you lived. Jesus spoke with this sense of eternal vision about what happens when the kingdom of God comes to bear on earth as it is in heaven. But despite his eternal and far-reaching vision, Jesus never neglected his own backyard. If you read through the stories of Jesus, you'll see that Jesus in real time walked the streets where he grew up, engaging with people, engaging with the issues that people were facing in his day and making an eternal difference into their lives. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus was interested in feeding hungry people. The great story, I shared it last week, but where Jesus is out with his disciples in the middle of nowhere, but he's got such popularity that great crowds follow him, but no one's packed lunch and no one's thought about it. And the Bible just tells us that Jesus' heart is filled with compassion because of all the people that have come. Now, he didn't get annoyed with them, even though he was looking to get away and get some space, he didn't get annoyed. The Bible says that his heart was filled with compassion for all the people and he started to heal them. And then he realized at the end of the day, they had no food. And so Jesus does an incredible miracle and makes sure people are fed. There's something incredibly spiritual about feeding people. It seems like such a normal thing, and most of us probably take it for granted that we wake up in the morning, go to the cupboard, pull the cereal out, or put the toast in the toaster, and kids, you come home at night, and there'll be food on your table. We take that for granted, but there's lots of people, not just in our world, but in our own backyard, that are struggling to work out where they're going to find the means to put food on their table this year. And it was the same in Jesus' day, but Jesus cared about his own backyard. 
And so he made sure that hungry people were fed. More than that, Jesus actually made sure that he presenced himself with people in their community in his day, in his own backyard, that everybody else saw as undesirable and untouchable. There was a disease that we're not that familiar with in our community, even though it exists in our world today, called leprosy. And leprosy is a debilitating skin condition where you lose a sense of nerve in your skin. And so you can touch stuff and not realize that you're touching something hot or something sharp. And, and people with leprosy often are incredibly disfigured and have skin condition that's very noticeable. And in Jesus' day, leprosy was a common condition and people didn't want to be around lepers. So lepers got isolated out to their own community communities and colonies where no one else would go. They were the undesirables and the untouchables, not because of anything they'd done, not because of their personality, not because they weren't smart, but because they had a disease that people didn't want to feel that they could touch or go near. Some of you have had some diseases in recent weeks that everyone else has stated at a distance, but nothing like leprosy, cold, flu, and all those things are nothing like leprosy. These people were, in a sense, condemned to a life on the outskirts and on the margins. But Jesus recognized this was an issue in his own backyard, and he went to places that other people didn't go. There's a great story. It's told in Matthew chapter 8 of how Jesus encounters a man with leprosy. And this man has heard stories about Jesus and his capacity to bring healing into the people's lives, and he begs Jesus to heal him. You know what the Bible tells us that Jesus did? Jesus didn't say, please stay at a distance and let's talk about this. The Bible tells us that Jesus touched the man. This is a man that would have had no physical uh, interaction with anyone, but Jesus recognizes this issue in his own backyard and goes places that other people don't go. Why? Because he's filled with care and compassion for those that are hurting and broken in his backyard. He fed the hungry. He reached out to the untouchables. He spoke hope into the relationally broken. Another fairly well-known and popular story in the scriptures is told in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, Jesus stops at a well and there's a woman there from a place called Samaria and Samaritans weren't that loved by the Jewish people. They were really, they were a half-caste group of people. And so she was out there in the middle of the day and she was only there in the middle of the day gathering water so she could avoid having to encounter anybody else because she really was quite hated. Anyway, Jesus is there and Jesus does something that in his day was completely unconventional and no one would ever do this, but a Jewish man engages a conversation with a Samaritan woman. We don't think much of that, but that was a huge thing that Jesus did that. And so Jesus has this conversation with her and in the midst of conversation, finds out a little bit of her story. And her story is this. She's actually had five different husbands and right now she's about to return home to a man that's not even her husband. You see, she's relationally broken. Now, the sad reality is people like that don't want to talk to people that uh, go to church or are Christians because they don't feel like they're going to receive any sense of grace or compassion. But Jesus, in that moment, speaks grace and compassion into her life such that she is so overwhelmed by the love and the grace she receives from Jesus that she races back into her town and tells everybody that she met this guy that's just changed her life. See, Jesus spoke hope into the relationally broken. Jesus clothed those that had no clothing. Again, another story of a man that was incredibly broken. The Bible tells a story to say he was possessed with, with a whole bunch of 
just stuff in his life and he was living in tombs and he was naked and no one wanted to go near him and he was, just, he was the scary guy on the outskirts of town. But again, Jesus goes into his space and speaks life and healing and hope into him and heals him. And it says that when the people of the town that knew of this guy found him, he was clothed and in his right mind. See, Jesus went to people that others don't go to. But not just those on the outskirts, Jesus also confronted those that sat right in the middle. He actually confronted those who had means and had wealth and had power and used them to their own purposes. Jesus said some really harsh things to some of the religious leaders of his day. There's this list of, uh, the Bible says a list of woes where Jesus just speaks this great speech over this group of people that really just is just one blow after the other about who they are and what they're like. And one of the things he says to them is, you know, you guys, you Pharisees, some of the religious leaders, he said, you know what you do? You believe so much in giving, but making sure that your giving is seen by everybody. But more than that, making sure that you give in such a way that everybody praises the way that you give. And you know that the law says that you should give 10% of your income as a tithe. And so you do that. You take that to the nth degree. You don't just give 10% of your income. You make sure that everybody knows that you give 10% of your spices. You go to your herb garden and you pull out the parsley and you make sure that 10% of the parsley crop gets given as well. That's how legalistic, that's how rigid you are in looking after the law. But Jesus says, despite all that, you think that you're special because you do all that and everybody thinks that you're wonderful because you are just so upright and so wonderful. But Jesus says, you know what? In the midst of that, you neglect the really important things of the law, things like mercy and justice and righteousness and faithfulness. Elsewhere in the Bible, it says that that God says to his people, just get away from me with the noise of your songs and with all the stuff that you do because the thing that you're not doing is caring for the poor. You're neglecting those that are homeless. You're neglecting the widows. You're neglecting the orphans. So until you get that stuff sorted out, don't come and pretend like you've got it all together. You see, Jesus spoke a kingdom message, but he cared for those in his own backyard. Jesus wasn't just doing what he did because he was a good guy and he thought that was what you should do. He did all that because he is a good guy and he knew that that's what you should do. But he did it as a model for those that would come as his people and his followers, those post-Jesus that put their trust in him. And in a famous sermon Jesus gives on the side of a mountain, told in Matthew, Gospel of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you can read it. It's called the Sermon on the mount, and Jesus starts this, and this is a little bit of what he says. He says, you are the salt of the earth. People are going, what on earth do you mean, Jesus? He says, you are the salt of the earth. If salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that you may see, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says to his people, well, you're two things, your salt and your light. 
He says, you don't light something in your house and hide it. Light is meant to illuminate. Light is meant to attract. Light is meant to give a beacon of hope for people. And if he wants to say something to us as a church here in Ormo today, he wants to say, Gateway Ormo, you are the light of the world or you are the light of this community. Don't hide the good things that I'm doing in you under a lamp. Let them be seen. Because when hope is illuminated, people are drawn to hope. People were drawn to Jesus because in him they saw hope and healing and grace and acceptance and compassion and care. And that's the kind of church that he wants us to be. A church that when people look at us, they don't think about all the things that we're against or all the things that we don't like or all the things we're going to judge them on. He wants them to see a church that cares for the needy, that's compassionate to those that are broken, that goes out of our way to show love, not just in word, but in deed, because we are the light of the world. But the other thing he says is, you are the salt of the earth. Now, what does he mean? In Jesus' day, salt was a preserver. If you wanted to preserve something, you'd bathe it in salt. And again, it's a picture of what the church is. We are the salt. We are, the, we are part of the, God's plan to stop things going bad, to stop things going rotten. So he wants to say to us here at Gateway Orma, you are the salt of this community. I've actually placed you here for a purpose, not just to enjoy hanging out together and eating some pies after church, even though that's a really wonderful thing to do, but actually your presence in this community is going to be integral in actually making sure things that could go on a trajectory downhill that are going to see brokenness and hurt amplified. No, you are the salt of the earth. You are here to preserve that which is good and to stand for that which is wholesome. And you know what happens when we are a church that is salt and light? People actually see Jesus for who he really is. It says when they see the church living out that vision, glory goes to God. Because if people encounter a church that cares for the broken, that feeds the hungry, that clothes the naked, that reaches out to those that right now are going through relational brokenness, they start to get the glimpse of the Jesus that loves them and cares for them and wants his grace to reach into their world. Jesus cared about his own backyard and he's calling us to care about our own backyard. You know, Gateway's vision, our mission is to see uh, lives change and transformed as we follow Jesus into our community, our nation, and our world. As a church, we're going to continue to want to make a difference in our nation. We, we as a church, want to keep planting new churches. We want to start new communities like this in different parts of southeast Queensland initially, and who knows what the future looks like. But we also want to be a church that makes a, a lasting difference in our world. And if you've been here for any length of time, you would know that we speak about uh, an area of our church life called Gateway Beyond, where we are making sure that people in all far reaches of our world are getting cared for, where the poor across our world are actually getting hope and practical help through the ministry of our church and the generosity of its people. We're always going to care about our nation and our world, but part of our dream and our vision is that we would be a church that sees lives transformed in our community. And today is all about that, that we would make a lasting and an eternal difference in our community, to be salt and light in our own backyard. You know, in our country alone, this year, one in five people will suffer some kind of mental illness or mental disorder. One in four people in the age of 16 to 24 in the next 12 months will suffer some kind of mental health issue. There are people that are hurting and are broken that we as a church 
through ministries like our Counseling and Wholeness Centre can make a lasting difference in. In our country, in the next 12 months, around 48,000 divorces will be processed. Now, let's not think about the figure, but let's think about the people that stand behind that figure. The people that had entered into a loving relationship, the kids that were part of a loving relationship that are now broken because of what's gone down relationally. And we as a church are called to actually speak hope and healing, to care for the broken. And there's one million people in our nation that in the next 12 months are going to suffer some kind of substance abuse disorder. There's going to be 2 million people in our nation that will report high financial stress. One in six women and one in 20 men will suffer some form of domestic violence. And in our community, our nation, 190,000 people will migrate here. 17,500 of those are going to come through the humanitarian program. In other words, they're going to come because they fled persecution or war. They're often here, separated and split from their families in a new world and a new culture. And regardless of what you think of that issue, we as God's people are called to show love, compassion, care and grace. Because that is what it means to be salt and light in our world. We as a church are here for a reason. Not just to enjoy hanging out, not to listen to the wonderful music that, you know, James and the crew bring us, not to endure the wonderful long sermons that I preach, not to enjoy the coffee that we make and the ministries that we run. You know what? God created that community for us to enjoy and we should enjoy it. But we're also here to make a difference in our own backyard. To heal those that are broken. To reach out to those that are lost. To clothe those that are naked. To feed those that are hungry. To stand with those that are on the outskirts that are isolated from the world that they live in. And here's the good news. In 2018, we as a church will do it. Jimmy, I'm going to get you come up and get the band up with you. In 2018... We as a church will do it. And in 2018, not only will we as a church do it, but we as a community here in Ormo are going to see the first steps towards a permanent gateway care presence here. Next year, there will be counselling sessions held in Ormo that are going to help people with broken relationships find some hope and some healing. Kids that are struggling with a whole range of issues are going to get some support and some help because of the generosity of this church. And can I just say something? It's going to cost us something. But that's actually part of the life that God calls us to. It's a life of sacrifice on behalf of others. But today as we celebrate, we bring these red bags. And I know a whole bunch of you have been out shopping this week. If you're here today, you're a guest, or you've just stumbled into our church, and you please don't feel at all obliged or embarrassed about what's about to happen, but I hope what you get a sense is what God's doing in the hearts of many people in our church. That have filled these red bags full of things that, you know, they've spent their own grocery money on, but are going to go into the homes and into the lives of people this year that desperately need them. In 2018, we as a church are going to make a real difference in the lives of families that are broken and hurting because of what you're about to do today. As a church, let's make a difference in our own backyard. For the sake of the kingdom, the glory may go to God. That people may experience in a very real way his love and his grace and his compassion poured out through his people into their lives.